When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Hour two here on The Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon. Get to some uh, more recruiting day, signing day conversation from Sark yesterday. His press conference yesterday. We'll play some more audio from that. Talk some more Texas football. Maybe get a little NFL and Super Bowl talk in there as well. We'll keep going on about the NBA trade deadline. Uh, That closed up today at 2 p.m. It is over. We've gone through uh, everything that happened in that. Uh, But we'll rehash anything on the uh, text line if that's what you guys want. Because you guys drive the show I just try to keep it on the rails. That means whatever you want to text in, 512-447-3776. I try to get to everybody on the show uh, that we can get to, and uh, we try and have good conversations about it, whatever you guys want to talk about. College basketball, too, any of that, you know, we can get into on the text line and the big fat poll of the day. Today, since we're talking signing day, which Longhorn freshman will make the biggest impact next season? That's what the question of the day is. Which Longhorn freshman will make the biggest impact next season? Text that in 512-447-3776. I do want to get back to the text line uh, since we, you know, we got a few more coming in and then we'll take a little break. We'll go into some uh, signing day stuff. That sounds good with you guys. Uh, My next uh, Nate, Nate says uh, it was, it was nice to hear you this morning. PD forgot funny that Aaron, uh, I got Aaron to read something that inappropriate. Nate, I have to tell you, you know I have to read all of your texts before I say them on air now. I know that, that 90% of what you text in, I can't read on air. So I have to read all of your text before I say anything that you say, or else I'll get caught up like Aaron did this morning, trying to get us in trouble all the time. <laughs> and the texture says, I know Colin Simmons is the obvious answer, uh, but Zena at 6'4 is going to be fun to watch. I agree. I think he's a tiny bit more of a project, but he is going to be a lot of fun, and he could make a big impact next season. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm putting him as a tiny bit more of a project that I don't know how much playing time. I'm, I'm kind of hoping he doesn't because I think if he gets more playing time, it means that there's not a ton of depth. But you don't know because that defensive tackle position uh, is going to be a little bit lighter without Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a really good career and be entertained to watch throughout uh, his career. Uh, Texter says, is Bum Phillips in the Hall of Fame? Uh, it's good. The Hall of Famers are announced tonight. If you didn't know, the NFL Honors is tonight, uh, I believe, 8 o'clock. And uh, it's 8 or 9 o'clock, and uh, they'll be announcing the Hall of Fame class. Some of the names have already been leaked. One of the ones that there's a lot of reports that's very cool is Steve McMichael. Uh, you know, played for the Bears, played for the Longhorns, had a great career, was a wrestler, was part of the Four Horsemen at one point. <laughs> Steve Mongo McMichael. Uh, but uh, Steve McMichael is reportedly going in, dealing with a lot of health problems now. Uh, so it, it's very nice that they're getting it to him while he's still uh, able to, uh, you know, be told about it. And, and, and hopefully he'll make it through the Hall of Fame and and uh, get his message out and be able to get some help uh, 
to keep getting by. But uh, a very cool thing for Steve McMichael, another Longhorn. I believe our man CB said that this is the sixth Longhorn uh, that will be in the NFL Hall of Fame. As for Bum Phillips, he is not in the NFL Hall of Fame. He is in the Titans Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. Uh, they put him in there, which, is, you know, that makes sense. It's the Oilers, and that's where they went. He's also in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame uh, for his contributions. But for the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, his head coaching record in the NFL is 82-77 and 77 in the regular season, 4-3 and three in, the, in the postseason. Uh, that is not normally going to get you uh, too far into the list. That you know, and then NCAA was four and five. So as a head coach, he just did, was not that much over five hundred as a coach, which would usually not get you in. Uh, had a contribution to the game for sure, but I don't think he will get in with just a uh, just above five hundred record uh, for Bum Phillips. But he is in he's in the the local ones, but I do not believe he'll get into the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, WPI Parts guy says, Patrick, thanks for this morning. It was good to hear you on my way in. And as soon as my way out for the ride home, many thanks. Bet you're tired, though. I am tired. It took a five-hour energy. They should be paying me to say this. But I took that before the show to try and get in. The sad part is I've given up soda now, and I'm trying to you know, be a little bit healthier. So I don't have caffeine really either, and I'm not really a big coffee guy. So I haven't had caffeine in, in, in two or three weeks. Uh, so it's like trying to find ways to just like, I need caffeine, but I don't want to drink a soda. Uh, so I'm getting through it. We're getting through it. The sad part is I still have like five or six more hours of work that I probably need to get done. And I'll, someone will get pushed tomorrow. But I'm basically going to work until I fall asleep tonight. So, But, you know, there's other people that have much worse jobs than than talking sports with you guys on the text line. So I'm not going to complain because I get to do this every day. And that's a whole lot of fun most of the time. Most of the time. Sometimes the Longhorns make it tougher on me. But most of the time it's a lot of fun. Uh, Texter says, uh, both Texas Tech and UT are struggling. Who do you think is going to finish with a better Big 12 record? Uh, they were trying to mimic the NCAA referee. These dudes need to wear something a little looser. I look, I agree that, you know, you, the tight shirt thing is probably not a great look. It's, it, but it, I, I guess Iowa State, it kind of fits that program. I don't think in a major school it would work as well. Uh, not to take a shot at Iowa State, but a, you know, one of the top, you know, if you're talking a, a blue blood top school, I don't know how much it would work. Uh, but, uh, and, and tech, I think tech's not struggling too. It's, it's a big 12 unless you're a, you know, top five, top 10 program, like Kansas is struggling at points in this season. Uh, Houston's really the guys who are probably doing the best, uh, out of everybody because they play really, really tough basketball, but even they lost the other day. So, uh, you know, it's a big 12. It's a crazy gauntlet. You know, when you talk about playing six teams in a row, I was checking up on some other teams, and this is not a shot at Chris Beard at all. I don't want to take a shot at Chris Beard, but you were looking at Ole Miss, and I was seeing how he was doing. And you say, well, he's doing pretty good, except for he's played, he's only played, Ole Miss has only played five ranked teams the entire season, and they're 0-5 against those ranked teams. Texas played six in a row and went 3-3. and So a lot of these teams that are kind of in that same area of Texas uh, of win percentage and stuff like that are not playing the same caliber of teams and the same just ranked you know, gauntlet that you're going through at Texas uh, and, and Texas Tech as well. Texas Tech is playing in that same division, in that same conference. Uh, so they're struggling. I would say if I had to say right now we'll finish with a better Big 12 record, uh, I'll, I'll go with Texas Tech, unfortunately, just because I know what Texas' schedule is and I haven't looked at Texas Tech's. Uh, I will hope it's Texas. I'm hoping it's Texas that they turn it on. Uh, but just knowing what they have coming up, it is going to be real, real hard to have a, you know, you're talking about going to Baylor, going to Houston, going to Texas Tech, going to Kansas. 
that's some hard – that's like four games that if you come out of that two and two, you have to feel okay about it. And so just knowing that Texas – you know, if they get the wins they need, they're probably still got three to four more losses this season. Uh, just going, if they if they don't have if they don't lose three or four more games, then there's no need to talk. They did well at the end of the season, uh, but I, I think they have three to four more losses in the season. Just looking at their their, their opponents, it, it's just tough. It's just tough in the Big Twelve. Uh, Dexter says, Mike Hunnisary. Freshman with the most impact. I, have to, I, I don't. I'm not even pulling that name off the top of my head. I'm not pulling that name. But uh, uh, yeah, Mike Hunter. All right, I like that. I like that. All right, uh, my man Chan. <laughs> I always appreciate Chan. Uh, it says uh, those old farts in the morning, <laughs> and I'm older than he. Yes, no, they're not the old farts. They were, it's always fun to hang out with those guys and do the show with them. If it wasn't in the morning, I'd like doing it more. But it's just very early, and I'm not a rising grind guy. And you got to play songs from the weekend and KDP, not your style or time. Like I, I they're fine. They're just, they're just not great intro music a lot of times. They don't really they don't get you pumped up to go do a segment. And uh, man, your NBA knowledge. Wow, appreciate that. You and Zay will blow our minds on NBA. I always enjoy talking uh, NBA with Zay. He's a good guy to talk some basketball with. And uh, tomorrow we've got to prep the audience with Usher songs in time for Sunday's halftime show. No, it's a 5-1-2 Friday, Chan. We're not going to do that tomorrow. We'll be promoting local music. You can go see on a Saturday night before the Super Bowl. You can go enjoy it. And you don't need to stop texting. You're, you're, you're doing good. And uh, Drink tea. Not a tea drinker really either. Just uh, I'm picky with what I drink. I'm picky with what I drink. Uh, all right. Let's uh let's talk some uh Texas football real quick before we get back to text line. Text line's open 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line. Which Longhorn freshman will make the biggest impact next season as the poll? Anything else you want to talk about as well? NBA trade le- dreadline was today. We talked about that in the first hour. I'll put that podcast up shortly. Uh, if you missed that, but uh, there's some good stuff and some trades. Mavs made a bunch of trades. So if you have any thoughts on that, if you're a Mavs fan or you have some ideas about that, send that in. Uh, we'll get to that. But I do want to play you a couple more clips uh, from Sark's presser yesterday because uh, he had some good stuff in there. Spoke to the uh, spoke to the media for 45 minutes in that game uh, for for that press conference yesterday. Uh, some good stuff. Uh, one of the things he talked about was something that we've talked about on the show before about the transfer portal. And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, kind of that are down about it or not. I like what Sark's mentality is towards the transfer portal and not being somebody who is just anti. He understands you have to roll with it. You can fight for change, but if you get behind the times like Clemson has, it really hurts. We know Baylor, it dropped off a lot when they didn't get their transfers. So Sark has a pretty level-headed approach to what he wants out of the transfer portal to keep the culture, to keep everything going. Here's what Sark had to say about the advantages of the transfer portal. It, in the end, the transfer portal, I know there's a lot of you know, opinions on it. Is, it. is it a positive? Is it a negative? Um, you know, for us, it's a positive. You know, we, we are never going to major in recruiting the transfer portal in a way that that's going to make up our roster. We still want to recruit the bulk of our class from the high school ranks, highly competitive, high character kids coming from great programs, get them immersed in our culture, develop them uh, in our program year one, year two, year three. But what the portal does for, for a school like us, it can help you fill the voids when the voids um, happen. 
you know, we, we lost two receivers that declared early for the NFL draft in Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. We had a few other receivers decide to transfer on their own. All of a sudden, after that Sugar Bowl, I looked up and I had three scholarship receivers on our roster. Okay, we had three receivers committed out of high school. That left us with six. So we went and signed one more high school kid in Aaron Butler to get us to seven. And then we went and took three, three transfers that got us to the, to the number 10 at the receiver position, which is a more of an ideal number to have on your roster. So that was really helpful and beneficial for us. We talked about the tight end position. We talked about the defensive line position. Um, Andrew Makuba coming on board, you, all of a sudden – yeah, you, you have a couple guys that graduate, but all of a sudden Jaron Thompson decides to transfer, Keaton Crawford decides to transfer. We have got to fill up our roster, and we can't go into every season and me sitting here in August telling you we're a young football team. right? We, we've got to have some experience. We've got to have some depth there. So I do think the portal uh, has been advantageous to us. Um, now we got to get those guys acclimated to our culture, our team, how we go about our business, uh, and that's one of the fun parts. That's one of the challenging parts that that we definitely are looking forward to i I like that uh, viewpoint on the transfer portal of you know you just got to get the fill the holes and and use it for what it is but i I, you know you see too many guys right now that are trying to stick their foot in the in this you know draw the line in the sand and that's not what i want i think sark is you know may have his opinions about this and tries to fight it behind the scenes uh especially the schedule but he is going for it right now for Texas. By the way, uh, I do want to say, you're not allowed to try and fool me on the text line. I appreciate the ones who told me I got fooled. You're not allowed to try and fool me when I woke up at 5 a.m. and I'm working at double. You're not allowed to do that to me. That's rude. You only got me because I'm very tired right now. That is all you got me for me uh, trying to trick me on the text line. Just, just Shame on you. Shame on you, random texter trying to get me. I appreciate the person who pointed it out. I appreciate it. Keeps in those texts, though. Uh, we'll get back to it in a minute. I do want to play this sound, too. Uh, this is a little bit longer, some stuff we played earlier today uh, in the morning show. But he was asked, you know, you know, Texas in three years is probably overachieved, got to their goal maybe faster. And I know at the, at the bowl he said it was a three-year plan, but that also kind of fits nice to the narrative. Uh, but you say, okay, well, you had this plan. You had your guys. You were ready to go. This was You knew you were going to have you know older team. You were ready to go into the playoffs. You get through. You've improved every year, but now you're in year four. If it was a three-year plan, like you said, well, what is, what's the plan now? What's the plan moving forward? If you had a three-year plan to get Texas to back to where you want them to be, to where you needed them to be for this season, how do you go moving forward? Uh, and this is Sark's answer to the plan going forward and what he's trying to aim to do at Texas. You know, not to – you know, just dive into like the plan of it. But I I do think there's something that is important that hopefully our players really recognize. Okay. I'm a firm believer team success is what ultimately then provokes individual accolades, awards, and honors. Okay. So in year one, we go five and seven, and that was a difficult season for everybody, but was needed, right? It was needed. Um, But at the end of that year, that, that, that resulted in zero players getting drafted in the NFL draft. Okay, we come back in year two, we make some improvements, we make some adjustments, we go eight and five. We had five players get drafted into the NFL draft. 
okay, we continue to try to evolve and, and improve and get the right pieces to the puzzle, um, the culture, all the things that we've talked about. We go 12-2, and two, we, we win the conference championship, we make the CFP, and now we're staring at what could be 10 to 12 players drafted into the NFL draft. Some of those leaving early to go to the NFL draft to, to get drafted. And so I, I think that that just speaks to our players like, man, if I can really commit to this team and commit to the developmental process, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the community, whether it's with my position coach, and the more that the team has success, the better opportunity I might have, A, to win a championship, B, fulfill my dreams of playing in the NFL, and C, having a life after football with some of the resources and things that we have here at Texas, that's that's the plan that we're on, right? How do we keep putting a team together that gives us the best chance to be successful and then getting all these guys to buy into that team? And every year, each team takes on an identity of its own. I got 30 new players in, in that team meeting room this morning uh, that we're talking about the things that are going to be necessary, where we're at a few weeks in, where we need to be a month from now as we go to spring break. Um, and so that's, that's always the challenge, right? And as I said before, I think teams a lot of times take on the personality of the head coach of where he's at in, in, in his progression with the program. And for me, it's pretty simple, you know, and I, I, we came here, I came here, like I said before, I, I didn't come here just to be a head coach again. I, I didn't come here to uh, say that I'm the head coach at the University of Texas. Like, I came here to win a championship, and then if I can get one, I want to get two. And I, I, I'm borderline obsessed with it at this point. Um, I know what it tasted like last year. I know how close we were, and I couldn't wait to get back. And, and, and hopefully that's what our team really starts to exude is this obsession with being the best because we have a locker room full of young men that are uh, driven, that are focused, that, that want to be the best. They want to be the best students that, that Texas football's ever had. They want to be the best team. They, they're, they're totally going for it. But that's the challenge day in and day out. And so, you know, September's going to come quick enough. We, you know, we, we've got a lot of work to do between now and then uh, to get ourselves in position to start that journey. Uh, but quite frankly, the journey started two weeks ago, right, as we were getting them up at 545 and we're in, we're in DKR and we're, we're starting conditioning, you know, and that's, that's part of being in college and that's part of that process of, of what it looks like. I love that. Obsessed, I'm borderline obsessed with winning. This is all it is. This is what you want to hear if you're a if a Texas fan. It is not the you know the the ways of I think if we do what we do we can we can continue to be well. But no, we're doing everything, and I will do everything, and I'm trying to get these players to do everything, and I'm trying to get the right players in to do everything. Uh, I I love that attitude. Love that attitude from Sark. Uh, trying to go for it. Trying to go for it for Texas. That's what you need to see uh, going forward. Uh, and I'll play you one more. Uh, actually, you know what? We, we may save that. We may hit that uh, in the next segment. We'll see if we have time because I do want to play you some stuff about Super Bowl as well. Uh, but yeah, he is a good press conference yesterday. That's one of those clips where you like to see if you know where he's at and what he's his mind is going forward. Uh, is that he he has a plan that he he expects to win. He expects to win multiple champ. He expects to win 
at Texas. That's what he expects, and that's what you want to see from your uh, head football coach going into the SEC is not any timidity, that he is not worried or stepping back. He is stepping up. He mentions in the press conference when you, you know, when we're playing 16, 17 games a season, not saying we're not going to make the playoffs and this is how many games and hopefully we do. No, no, when we do. Taking the Alabama approach, and I talked about this on the morning show. We may play a couple of bit about how he said recruiting locally that he's basically recruiting wise. He says, "I want to be, I, I want to be, you know, we want to be the front runner for every single person that's at, in, that we want to go for in Texas and the Texas area. And then if we're not the one they pick, we want to be on their lit. Like we want to be one of the top people that they have." And I said this in the morning that he wants to have it to where when you see the graphics and everybody's on on Twitter or Instagram, and they're posting their top five teams or whatever, he wants to be, he wants the Longhorn to be on all those images. He wants the Longhorns to be thought of as the team that you don't turn down a phone call from. If they Longhorns call, you do it. And I know we had a text this morning say it sounds like an Aggie to want your name. And I go, no, 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 it's not like an Aggie. It's like Alabama. Now, Alabama, you didn't turn down a phone call from Nick Saban when Nick Saban uh, called to recruit you. And when Nick Saban called you, you said, look, I have to, he has to be in my top three, my top five, Alabama does. I'm probably not going to go, but I have to listen. And everybody knows if, if Sark calls and Texas calls, you, got, you better take that phone call because they got the, the coaching staff that's going to get you to the next level. They're going to put people in the NFL at a high rate. They're going to compete in the playoffs every single year. And they've got an NIL there too that's doing pretty well. I can hit every goal I want to hit there. If I want to go and compete, that's the place. And that's what he's saying in, in his recruiting. I want everybody to be, even if I, even if we don't get everybody because we can't get everybody and you know people are going to choose different places for different reasons. Maybe some people want playing time right away or whatever else. But, but I don't want them to say my top, you know, my top five teams are Florida and LSU. No, Texas needs to be in there because we want to be in that space where Alabama was for so long with Nick Saban. We're, we want to be a factory that produces NFL talent, which means we have the best talent looking at us every time. That's what you want to see at Texas, and I like that Sark has got that mindset of you know no fear and everyone should be respecting the name of the Texas Longhorns. That's what you want to hear from your head football coach. All right. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back, get back to the text line, play some sound, talking uh, Super Bowl as well. Uh, but I want to get back to the text line. Big fat poll of the day today since we're talking signing day. Uh, which freshman for the Longhorns, which Longhorn freshman will be the biggest impact next season? Which one will make the biggest impact next season? Not career, but next season. Who will come in and make that impact? Let us know on the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line. Uh, send that in if you want to talk about NBA trade deadline, college basketball, uh, pro basketball. You want to talk uh, college uh Football, you want to talk about the Super Bowl, any of that, send it in, 512-447-3776. We'll get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Peace up, A-Town. Yeah, 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 yeah
Back in the sports complex here on the Horn. I told you it's, it's Super Bowl halftime performers, so we end we end our week Thursday. I know we have tomorrow, but it'll be five one two Friday. We end our our theme of the week with Usher, who will be playing this year. Just trying to find. I I don't know a ton of Usher. We'll see how much I know of what he plays on uh on uh Sunday. But there's some Usher for you, Chan. There's some Usher. We're we're ready to go. Text lines open 512-447-3776. With signing day just happening, which Longhorn freshman incoming 2024 will make the biggest impact next season? Let us know in the text line 512-447-3776. Could be Colin Simmons, Ryan Wingo. The wide receiver room is getting kind of tight, but maybe he'll get in there. Brandon Baker at the offensive line, Kobe Black and Xavier Filsimi in the in the secondary, maybe Jarrett Gibson or Jordan Washington, running back and tight end. Maybe one of those guys. Let me know what you think on the text line, 512-447-3776. If you got any opinions on the trade deadline, send that in as well. We'll get try and get to everybody. Uh, Texter, when I said I don't drink soda, he says, Olipop. I've heard about that. I, I've never tried it. It seems too healthy. I'm trying to be healthier, and then that one seems a leap too far. But I haven't tried it, so I want to cry it yet because I've not tried it. But uh Right now, I'm just I'm done the sparkling waters and and, and water and, and trying to be you know hydrate and all that good stuff. Uh, Daydrinker seventy seven uh, says uh, newcoming freshman will be Colin Simmons making an impact again. I think could make a, a really good impact in the transfer. Makumba, uh, yes, I will put that uh, Makumba will definitely be a huge impact next season. Excited to see what he can do uh, at Texas. Uh, WPI parts guy says, do you think the D line hire with Kenny is impactful? Yeah. I mean, it has to be now. It, it may be impactful negatively or positively, but, uh, it, I can guarantee you it will be impactful. Bo Davis was a great coach, uh, but everyone has been raving about, uh, Kenny. So we'll, we'll see how it ends up going. Uh, he's got to get that D line ready to go. He's got some more options. Trey Moore transferring into, uh, helping out on the edges, but that inside, what you're going to be able to do on the inside is going to be. Uh, tough. Uh, Chan says uh, wide receiver Moore will play uh, to play in a vacated place by Jay Wood and Niblet has been very quiet. The coaches haven't brought his name up much. I, I believe that uh, Jonte Moore and Ryan Nibble will be good. I'm, I'm saying though, freshman coming in. So freshman next season, not the freshmen that are here now. Uh, but yes, the wide receiver room, those young guys are going to have to get some playing time. I agree with you there, Chan, for sure. Uh, and Texas, uh, let's see, says, uh, Texas will be back. Sark is the right fit for the SEC. I think he is too. And not sure what happened in the Washington game, but our defense didn't show up. I think there was just holes in it. I think the edges weren't quite uh, where you needed them to be. And the secondary is, was just not at all. The secondary was not ready to play in that game. Uh, you know, you, you losing Catalan wasn't a help either, but they needed to get better in that secondary. They're trying to do it. You lose a lot of pieces in that. Uh, but I think you, you add some more. The young guys are going to come up in it. Uh, it may not be fully there this year, but I think in another year uh, that secondary could get to where it's starting to be better and better and better. Uh, but I agree with you. The secondary was a real problem. All right, let's play this clip uh, talking some Super Bowl. The text line will keep it rolling. Uh, this morning, though, they talked about the Chiefs' defense and uh, a little bit of Super Bowl preview here, talking Chiefs' defense. Uh, really something where people I don't think realize what an edge that is for the Chiefs uh, of on the two sides of defense. So hook them up replay here on the Sports Complex. Okay, let's get into a little bit. I'll start with the Chiefs defense. I don't think we've talked enough about that Chiefs defense and how impressive they have been um, so far this season. And I threw this stat out there earlier. Uh, the Chiefs, this is the best Chiefs defense that Andy Reid's ever had since Andy Reid's been there. He has not had a defense this good. They're allowing 15.6 
yards, uh, 51.6 points per game, excuse me, in the last 20 games. So over the course of the season, 15.6 points per game. That is huge. Now, the big part of it is they know how to take away a number one wideout. Like whoever your number one guy is, they're going to take him out. They're going to take him away. Uh, for the 49ers, it's going to be interesting because 49ers, it depends on how teams are defending them as to who their number one wideout is. Now, also be like, oh, it's Debo Samuel. Of course, he's the all-pro. I mean, he is the kind of the star of that receiving core. It is a lot of the time it's Debo, but Debo, if teams are playing you with a lot of zone coverage, that's when Debo gets a lot of the bulk targets. When teams are playing with a lot of man coverage against the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk is their man beater. Right? Because he, he, when you try to play man coverage, he's going to end up in man-to-man coverage without help. Most of the time when they play man-to-man on Debo, they double Debo. They double him or they roll coverage his way or, you know, they shift coverage his way. So Debo's not going to get straight up one-on-one. That doesn't happen a lot of the time. But and Christian McCaffrey doesn't usually get one-on-ones with linebackers either. They'll put another DB on top of him to try to make sure that they, you know, obviously cover all their bases. Brandon Ayuk has ended up in straight up man-to-man and he's usually ended up on man-to-man without help. And that's when he's been eaten. So I don't know who's going to end up being. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to play. The Chiefs like to play a lot of man because they blitz a lot. So they play a lot of man because they want to blitz. As a matter of fact, Kansas City, uh, nobody blitzes their DBs more than Kansas City does. And it's by far and away the most. All right? They are the most blitz-happy team from their defensive backfield uh, in the NFL. And they do a really good job of taking away the number one wideouts. So here are the clear number one wideouts against the Chiefs and what they've done. Stephon Diggs, three receptions, 21 yards. Four receptions, 24 yards. Justin Jefferson, three receptions, 28 yards. DJ Moore, three receptions, 41 yards. Jamar Chase, three receptions, 41 yards. Tyreek Hill, eight for 62 and five for 62. Devontae Adams, five for 73. Amon Russ St. Brown, six for 71. Uh, Garrett Wilson, nine for 60. Keenan Allen, he was four, four for 55. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can go look at the wide receivers uh, who are kind of the, they're on the verge of being a top wide receiver or the wide receiver one for their team. Um, you know, those are the secondary options. Those are the guys who've had the biggest games against the Chiefs. All right. Uh, look at Zay Flowers, 5 for 115. Uh, Christian Kirk had 11 for 110. Devontae Smith was 6 for 99. Uh, Christian Watson was 7 for 71. Um, Alan Lazard was 3 for 61. Joshua Palmer, 5 for 133. It almost feels like when you look at the, uh, the blueprint that the Chiefs have, they want to shut down your for sure number one wideout, whoever that's going to be. And for the 49ers, that's Debo. But it's tough to do that with Debo because Debo moves around. He's in the backfield sometimes. They're mostly Debo all across the formation. It's easier to take away Ayuk potentially schematically because he is more stationary. All right? They're not going to move him around as much. So watch out for that. They're good at taking away your, your first option at wide receiver. But after that, we've seen some of the secondary options, tertiary options, have success against the Chiefs. And that in this in this case that means Kittle. I know you're big on Kittle having a big game in this game. Um, he could be one just of those. Just over guys. 48 passing yards, yeah. receiving yards. That's <laughs> my over. Yeah, I, and I, I think you might be right about that because I like I said I I know Kansas City. They want to play with sub packages. They want they want to play with D, a lot more DBs, five and six DBs. They want to flood the field with speed and then blitz that speed. Um, and one of the things that I think helps them out is they got so much speed on the field they can cover better. They play sticky coverage. Uh, but that's going to make them susceptible potentially to the power run game, which we'll talk about obviously a little bit later on. So let's look at Brock Purdy against top five pass defenses because that's what Kansas City's defense is. It's a top five pass defense. Um, two, I got two occasions 
where Brock Purdy has played a top five pass defense. Week six versus Cleveland. Week 16 versus Baltimore. Week six versus Cleveland. He was 44% completion percentage for 125 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt. One touchdown, one interception. The 49ers scored just 17 points. Week 16 versus Baltimore, 56% completion percentage. All right, 7.9 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns. He had those four interceptions or whatever it was. The 49ers scored just 12 points before Brock Purdy left the game. So he's had to play a top five pass defense, which Kansas City is, playing a lot of sticky coverage. He has not had his best performances. And the Chiefs defense ranks third in, in um, per drop back EPA expected points allowed. Um, expected points added, excuse me. Um, third in success rate allowed. Fourth in explosive play rate allowed. And second in pressure rate this season. So this, that's basically, you, the evidence suggests that this is the best pass defense he's going to face all year. And when he has faced a really good pass defense, E, he's been mediocre. Yeah, I saw him play against the Browns, and uh, that was when Debo got hurt, and it was yeah. bad. It was real. The weather wasn't great either. Yeah, uh, it was a sloppy field and all kinds of things. But yeah, it was not good. And I, I remember coming. You're talking to you. I think it was early on after they played Jacksonville, because remember the Chiefs lost their first game of the year to the Lions, and mm-hmm. it was a really good game. It was lower scoring. I remember it was a. It was you know. It was a Kadarius Tony with the tip drill interception that really yep. led to the Lions win. But even that night, you could see that their defense was improved. And then I saw him play Jacksonville. Remember, Jacksonville was a playoff team last year, and we thought everybody thought Jacksonville was going to take that next step and become you know, one of these better offenses. A lot of people picked Trevor Lawrence to be the MVP of the league with the, with the weapons he had. Mm-hmm. Early on, man, they just shut them down. And really, for me, it starts and ends with number 22, Trent McDuffie. His, you know, he's a first-round <laughs> pick out of Washington, uh, the Huskies. And, man, that guy can cover. Yep. That guy can cover. You add Legarius Sneed to that. Uh, the former Texan, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, Jordan Reed at safety. He's, uh, he's good. Really a good player. I mean, they're, as you said it, they flood it with sec- – and this has been Brett Veach identifying these good, really good cover mm-hmm. corners, kind of like Sark's trying to do right now with PK, trying to, do, do, to identify coverage. And they've done it in Kansas City, and they, they do it to a really high level. I mean, the, the points allowed, the second-half points, the fewest in the league. And this ma- everything you're saying just makes this, this game more and more compelling because the matchups are fascinating. It is. I guess it's going to be a hell of a chess match between these two. Um, how about this? When, and I talked about how much Kansas City likes to blitz their DBs. When they blitz at least one DB, just, just blitz one, All right, Kansas City has allowed 3.1 yards per play, and they get a 47% pressure rate. That is, those are really high numbers. just shows you how creative Spags is with his DB blitzes. And Kansas City, this is the one thing I think this – uh, matchup between the Kansas City defense and the, the, the 49ers offense is going to be the most interesting matchup in my opinion. you got 49ers who are going to run a lot of 21 and 22 personnel. I talked about this. It's two back, one tight ends, two backs, two tight ends. Anytime, and by the way, Kansas City has only, they, they lined up against uh, teams who ran 21 and 22 personnel, I believe it was 130 times so far this season. 75% of the time they play base defense when they face a 21 or 22 personnel set. Base defense is just four DBs, three or four linebackers, depending on what system you play, three or four defense alignments. So basically base is four DBs. That's your base. All right, nickel five DBs, dime is six DBs. They play base 75% of the time when they go up against or they're defending a 21 or 22 personnel set. That's important. I talked about how Shannon can dictate terms based on formation, based on personnel grouping. If they're going to come, this is not what Kansas City wants to do. They want to come out and with a lot of DBs, flood the field with speed. Nobody play. They play, I believe, only three teams play more dime packages than Kansas City. They like just six DBs. They want to have a lot of DBs on the field. They believe you can, you can better confuse pass protection 
and you can also have better pre-snap disguise when you have those DBs moving around. Because DBs do move around naturally, and you can have those guys coming from every different angle. So that'll be interesting to watch. Will Kansas City counter the 21-22 uh, personnel set of San Fran with going base personnel? If they do, advantage San Fran because that's not how Kansas City wants to operate. Um, if Kansas City comes out and decides to go nickel, um, defending those 22 and 22 per- 21 and 22 personnel sets, by the way, which is 40% of Shano's offense, maybe the advantage switches back to Kansas City. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, House, Cardi B size, but is will San Fran have a rushing advantage, right, when they go 22 or 21 personnel versus um, a nickel set or a nickel package for Kansas City where they will be lighter, all right, and going up against a heavy set. So this is the chess match that will be going back and forth. It's going to be fascinating, fascinating. I can't wait. Uh, all, both sides of the ball, you got Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, two of the brilliant offensive minds in the game, and certainly Andy Reid, one of the all-time brilliant. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, we know oh. he was the designer of the game plan to, to thwart Tom Brady's perfect season. Man. Uh, not go 19-0, and he did it again to Lamar Jackson two weeks ago. Yes, he did. And that's where I mean, if you're, everything points back to the Chiefs, though the Sharps are still on, on the Niners. Because the, maybe the biggest single coaching advantage is Spagnolo versus Steve Wilkes, whose mm-hmm. defense is they had to admit they're loafing uh, in the NFC Championship game that's and not giving max effort. Mind blowing. I mean, that's that's a problem. That's a problem. And you know, it, they they've been gouged in the first halves, especially against the Packers and Lions. So you know that this is a big one. And as I said, to start the week, it's really amazing to me how the roles have flipped from four years ago. Four years ago. The Chiefs were the dynamic, high-powered, big-play offense with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis, you know, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and it was the Niners that had the lockdown defense with the game manager at the right. quarterback. This year, totally flipped. Uh, the Niners are the big, explosive offense, highest-scoring team in the league, all the weapons and CMC. Uh, and it's the Chiefs that have become it. Mean, whatever we say of Patrick Mahomes, he's more of a game manager now. I mean, yeah, he is. He's dinking, dunking, taking the first downs. Think about those first two drives against the, the Ravens. Where you just couldn't get them off the field. Nope. Just making plays. Converting. Converting. Yep. And I'm not gonna, we're not going deep. You're not going to let us go deep. So we'll just get first downs. And uh, we'll execute to the level that will put it in the end zone. And he's doing it at a very, very high level. Hadn't thrown an interception in the postseason. And uh, the defense, as you just documented, and Rod's rant, really, really, really good. The script going to be big in this game because that's essentially where you got your first two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns for the Chiefs yep. in that game versus Baltimore was basically off the this opening script. That's right. And after that, uh, the chess match within the game, I think Mike McDonald might have won that, actually. Oh, that's uh, but the he only lost. gave up three points the rest yeah. of the way, and th- the three points before halftime came courtesy of two personal fouls yeah. by the undisciplined Ravens. And that's why it's going to be big because I think you can just double and triple team Travis Kelsey, which is what they did not do early yeah. on. I don't know why Baltimore didn't do that. I guess they felt they had Kyle uh, Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton, he can lock him up. He probably could, but that's why you got to watch Kelsey in this game, guys. Last two weeks, Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey – 83% completion percentage when he's targeting those two, 9.3 yards per attempt. Well, pretty- Good stuff there from Hook Em Up with E and Rob B talking some Super Bowl. We'll talk more Super Bowl tomorrow. Want to get your predictions tomorrow too, so get those ready so we can have your predictions on the text line and get everybody written down, and we'll see who knows football the best, and I'll be judging you on the text line. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up here on the Sports Complex. Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn.
All right, we got to get out of here. Appreciate everybody joining me on the text line and hanging out with me today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk some more college basketball. Get you ready for a game this weekend with Texas. Get you ready for the weekend in the NBA. Get you ready for the Super Bowl. We'll go for it. We'll keep it rolling here on the Sports Complex tomorrow. I'll try and get some more sleep before then. I don't have to be up in the morning, so I'm looking forward to it. Only got like five or six more hours of work to do today. We can get it done, right, guys? All right. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow for more of the Sports Complex.